Hello, one and all, and welcome to Weekly Manga Recap. I am Nick, and it is July the 26th of 2023. And unfortunately, Quinn cannot be here with me to record today, uh, but... Uh, we, uh, wish her all the best. Uh, I'm not going to get into exactly why she is not available. She did make an announcement on the weekly manga recap discord. Uh, but, uh, I, I don't usually take it, uh, as my place to just kind of speak on what she's, what's going on with her, even when she makes a public announcement. Uh, so I had to search, uh, near and far and high and low in order to find a uh, temporary co-host for today's podcast. And I found one in my friend Fornea. Hello. 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 Uh, Fornea, as, uh, as uh, you and I both agree, you are a very prolific reader of shonen manga. You read them all the time. And uh, so I'm sure oh, totally. you will totally be able to uh, keep up with uh, what's going on. Have all the context uh, for the various situations that we find ourselves covering into this week's chapters. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Totally. Uh, before we get into that, uh, I will give you up to opportunity. Can you just like tell people like uh, where 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 you where they might know you from? I guess uh, if they can find you somewhere else outside of uh, a random appearance on a Z list podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. So I am Fornea, noble mermaid. Little difficult to uh, see that from the uh, particular presentation here, but I promise that is in fact the case. I am a VTuber. I stream primarily on Twitch. You can find me pretty easily at, you know, Twitch TV Fornea. And I can be found on Cohost and uh, just very, as of today, in fact. Uh, I do have a uh, Blue Sky account as well, where I am a uh, Fornea VTuber. Yeah, so uh, th- I will say <laughs> that you are the first VTuber that we have had on the podcast. So you're breaking your you're breaking new ground. This is a this is a first making history here. Well, the tides do tend to break down the land. I'm not sure what that says about us but i'm going to just move past it and not think about it and uh i'm going to assume that everything is okay it is thundering so much right now where I am. <laughs> oh my god people god it's not one of the things that people really talk much about florida anymore given everything else that goes on here but it right. it, it storms so much here so <laughs> Especially in yeah, the summer. Yeah, I'm actually surprised that it was uh, clear when I visited you once upon a time. That did happen, yes. Uh, mm-hmm. Last year. Yes. Actually, I think it might have been exactly last year at this point. Yeah, because like you were late here. late July? Yeah, you were here in the summer, and uh, yeah, I think it was towards the end of that, yeah. So, I think you're right. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, somewhere around there. So there we go. It's got to just like be something like once per July, you and I are going to have to like do something completely new together that we've never done before, I guess. So. Ooh, so does that mean next July is when we get to do the uh, that bleach idea you were kicking around for several years? <laughs> it's a secret. Don't tell anyone about that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that might happen. Uh, so 
to give everyone, uh, I guess, a what to expect, we will be going through our chapters this week. Uh, I'll be handling the stuff that Quinn normally kind of takes the lead on. Uh, so I hope that I can remember people's names uh, in the first uh, series that we're going to be talking about, which is going to be Undead Unluck. And uh, Fornea, I don't, I don't know if I've ever talked to you about this series before. Uh, so do you, you have not no so did you ha did you have literally any context for this chapter i dropped on you to read <laughs> oh not at all i couldn't figure out anything from anyone or any why and some people i couldn't even keep track of visually like oh wait no this isn't the same lady <laughs> there are a couple of characters uh yeah especially because fuko who's the main character she is dressed very there was this kung fu tournament basically that ended last chapter so uh all the characters were in martial arts getups so fuko does look very similar to a couple of characters who just are dressing as they normally do uh in this context mm -hmm. but uh to give you a little bit of the broader idea of what's going on uh about half a year ish ago undead luck went into a uh not a well there was time skipping but there was also universe resetting that happened so oh boy. basically an entire the the world ended but as part of that fuko the main character got to start over from zero uh with the plan of to do th things you know right this time and part of that involves getting all of her allies from the previous loop together along with trying to actually recruit a bunch of uh, foes to be new allies as well uh, so that is the broad th uh, plot line that is going on with this. And we're just kind of going from step through step with that. And there's a bit of a reiteration with that that happens in this chapter. Uh, right. So we're, we're currently in a new game plus arc. It is pretty much almost literally exactly that. The, uh, the only uh, thing that I would say is that it's like a new game plus if it resulted from uh, getting the bad ending. Uh, because you didn't right. level hard enough, which I know is a thing, but is normally not the way the, the thing you would expect from doing that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, they're just over here playing uh, Dead Rising. Yeah, which I know so much about. Um, <laughs> that's the one that's in the mall, right? Uh, I think so. Yes. Oh, okay. I actually haven't played that one very much, but oh, it uses okay. uh, the same system as. Uh, uh, Breath of Fire Dragon Quarter, which is the game I'm far more familiar with, but I have a feeling that Dead Rising might be a bit more familiar with others. I, I guess, yeah. At this point, I guess I would say so, yeah. Uh, yeah, they both use a system that involves like, oh, you aren't able to finish the game? All right, go back to the start, but with more stuff. Uh, okay, so it's, okay, yeah, that makes sense. So we have, uh, in the beginning of this, to get into a little bit of the nitty gritty of the chapter, uh, Shen wakes up. Uh, he won the fight against Fang, but he got the shit beaten out of him when he was going through it. So he's been recovering from his injuries. He gets upset because he sees that his body is entirely healed and he thinks that Mui used the pill that was supposed to go to curing her brother on him instead. And he gets really upset about that. Uh, and who he has to say, it's like, no, no, it's, it, it's okay. Uh, and like my injuries, I'm fine. And my, I gave my little brother half the pill. It's okay. It's like a sensu bean. It just cures everything. It's, you know, it's not, it's not just medicine. It's medicine that cures literally everything, I guess. 
<laughs> I'm just over here going, ah, I play Lisa, so this sounds very different to me. <laughs> it's a bit weird to have this uh, this medicine I just as a part of this small plot arc t- because it has not been the focus of anything that's been happening at all. It's just kind of been the thing that has been told to us like, okay, here is why the characters that Foucault is recruiting this time were present in this part of the plot is because right. of this important thing that was going on for them. And it doesn't have any wider importance because like, okay, we're done here. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's uh, some sweetness that goes between uh, Mui and Shen. Shen has an ability. Uh, so there's the, the big uh, thing in Undead Unlock is negator abilities. Uh, so everyone has something about them that often triggers even if they don't mean it to. So Shen's ability is called Untruth. If he looks at someone that he has a sense of affection for, then everything they try to do, they instead do the opposite. So that's why Mui is like covering his eyes up when she's talking to him about stuff. And she's, you know, saying like, hey, I need you. You know, you made me a promise that you we would be together until we were old and gray. Mm-hmm. So she's covering her eyes, his eyes while doing that. And right, right. It's very cute. I love I love Shen. I love Shen and Mui. They're cute. And they also and now they're both martial arts badasses, which is nice. So uh, then we cut outside to Fang. Feng is fighting with Fuko as and finally, basically, because this is what he's been wanting this whole time after, after Fuko beat him previously. Uh, and then he says, like, all right, well, you've recruited Shen, so I don't have to. I'm not stuck with tutoring him anymore. So bye. And he gets on the evil dick bad, evil dick bag version of flying Nimbus to go and fly off. I was laughing at that. It's like, oh, it's an evil Nimbus. It even has like the little swirls. And uh, so he says, hey, all right, so, you know, you know, Shen, Fuko Izumo is the woman who beat me. So if you are under her care, that's the way you really get strong. So her get becomes the strongest so that I can become the strongest instead. And he starts to g- g- go off and, and have his big, ah, ha, ha, I'm still an asshole exit. So Fuko grabs Shen, uses his untreat ability to force him to wait instead of going away. Uh, it looks very uncomfortable for Shen because she is <laughs> opening up those peepers really, really, really aggressively. And yeah, that looks very unpleasant. Uh, and uh, so she says, hey, I-, I need you for this. I've got a mission uh, that's going to be really dangerous. And uh, so Feng says, hmm, well, if you're as strong as you are and you're in fear of what's going to happen, this is intriguing. So he decides to come along for the time being and see what she wants him for. Uh, So Mm -hmm. they they go back to meet up with the entire rest of the Union. Uh, Nemesis, the evil book who can't really do anything, uh, is really upset that there's all these people gathered around that aren't part of the Union table. but uh, Fuka just looks around at everyone, sees that their group that she wanted to build up is about halfway complete. And so she sets her sides ahead of like, OK, we need we've currently got 13 negators amongst our group. We just need the last 11. Uh, and we get a group shot uh, of the others that she's looking to recruit. And there's been some speculation over who one or two of these people are, uh, because we haven't met everyone at least in detail that has joined up with this version of the union uh in this loop some of them we barely knew at all before they joined up with fuko's version of it 
I'm particularly fond of the carbuncle-looking one. Uh, describe which carbuncle are you referencing, because there's a few different carbuncles I can think of. <laughs> uh, Puyo Puyo carbuncle, in particular. I... Look for the little bunny-looking thing. Oh, I hate him. Uh, <laughs> we have met him. I hate him. <laughs> He's well, a... I'm glad we're all on the same page, then. Uh, he is exactly the kind of character I hate. So, <laughs> Ooh, all right. Thunder. So, God likes uh, God likes the bunny. So, uh, yeah. So, uh... <laughs> uh yeah, I was uh, otherwise like the most uh, interesting looking individual in this entire thing was uh, totally not Manat over there in the the bottom right, the lady with the crystal ball, or at least it looks like one. She has an interesting deal. Uh, so her whole thing was, uh, I think it was unfortunate or unfortunate, something like that. So she makes predictions on her crystal ball and they're always wrong. That's her thing. <laughs> Ah, I see that you will win this clean. It's a, they yes, will not yes, win this clean. Yes. Uh, so Gina says, like, all right, well, no matter what happens, then the boss's right-hand gal is good old Gina. And, like, she's trying to make it a big thing. Like, oh, Fuko, just, you just said a badass thing. And me, your, your good buddy, I'm going to say a badass thing. Doesn't get to finish. She just gets cut off because we've got news announcing... Uh, uh, the results of an investigation given to Fuko, and she's really, really happy because uh, she knows who they're going to be going for next in order to recruit them. And she says to everyone that they're going to have uh, a mission that will involve infiltration and long-term combat. So she says, like, all right, I need a bunch of people to go with me on this. I need six people. No, ten people to go with me. And I'll announce the participants. And uh, so Gina's going with her, which he's really pumped for. Sean is going to be going. Billy, Ishin, which is surprising to Ishin as well as to me until we find out what the purpose of this is. Uh, Shen and Mui, which is good because they just got here. So it's nice that they'll be coming along, too. Uh, also, Mui is is straightening Shen's tie because they're getting they've just gotten their union uniforms. And it's cute because she's straightening his tie. Uh, Nico and Ichigo, Fuko. And she's asking Feng to come, too. And Feng's just been told that they're going to go on an infiltration and combat mission. And so he's he's, he's thinking, what kind of strong fighters are going to be there? Yes. And he agrees to come. Anyway, we go to a high school in Japan. <laughs> <laughs> Social uh, combat. Begin. And, uh, yeah, so this is going to be their mission to recruit Chikara. Uh, and who is just, you know, in school, uh, and he is, he is approached by a classmate who looks kind of a lot like Andy, actually. And I don't know if we have met this character before or not. He's, he's got a design that I guess just kind of like echoes certain other character designs, even if he's not someone that we've met before. Uh, mm -hmm. but, uh, Chikara, Chikara is going to class and then two new students arrive and Hey, it's Gina. And Fuko, and uh, they're uh, da, 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 da. yeah, they're they're here to 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 join the class because it's part of their infiltration part of it. Fuko is like all schoolgirly, and she's really excited because she's like, I never got to ho go to high school because I could be around other people growing up, and now I get to go to high school. Yay! 
it's not all it's cracked up to be. <laughs> I was kind of amused because, like, you look at her when she's kind of, you know, she's kind of waking out with excitement over there, holding her hands, like, really close to her chest, you know, like, really giddy. And it looks like she's still, like, wearing uh, knuckle dusters underneath yes. her cardigan. <laughs> so... Which which makes sense because so Fuko's ability she is the unlock in Undead Unlock. Uh, if she touches mm. someone, then she imparts bad luck on them, uh, often see. often lethally. So, uh, and like the more the more like the longer or the more intimate the touch, and the more that she cares about the person, the the worse the luck that befalls them. So she as has to you know. That's why she's like in full. I'm covering every, up every bit of skin. And then there's right. Gina, who is literally not even like wearing a disguise. She's just wearing what she normally wears. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good. It's just like, oh, you just walked right through the door, didn't you? Uh, so we are introduced to everyone's roles within their infiltration mission. So, you know, Fuko and Gina, of course, are, are going to be students. Sean is also a student as well as Shen and Mui. Shen might stand out a little bit. Uh, Shin is the principal. I don't know how they got him in that position. <laughs> yeah, it's like, wait a minute. It's like, okay, it's one thing for like half of these people to be, you know, infiltrating as students. Okay, sure, fine, whatever. How did you, how did you doppelgang the faculty? What is this? Uh, Nico is a chemistry teacher. Billy's the history teacher. Ichiko is the school nurse. And Feng is the, is the PE teacher. And he is so pissed off. <laughs> It's like, who am I supposed to fight here? Uh, I mean, the resources of Union are boundless. So she flat out says, like, yes, we are going to prevent Shikara's tragedy from coming about. So we're just going to take over the school temporarily. But, you know, subtly by replacing half the staff, no one will notice. Uh, and <laughs> that is where we are for this. I love the uh, bait and switch that we get here. It's going to be nice that we just had this big martial arts tournament come to an end i say big nothing lasts too long in under unlock it wasn't a really grueling tournament or anything like that but it was you know fighting 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 now it's hey we're gonna have some some stuff set in a school uh for for a little while so this was fun i'm being informed that there is a memory altering satellite in effect somewhere yes yes they do i see uh, Undead and Luck basically can just do anything. Uh, there, I mean, evidently, yeah, there was so this is so kind rationality of rationality is just kind of out the window, and it's just you know, let's just go, yeah. For all the different thing, direct things that Undead and Luck has done, there has not been a little school life, uh, slice of life parody kind of thing that has happened yet. So, this would be all right. So, Chainsaw Man, uh, in <laughs> I, I. I don't know if I should say, like, I don't, uh, like, you really came into this without context or like, but, but it's Chainsaw Man, so I don't think the context would really help. So, Chainsaw Man, I've actually heard of. Sure. Uh, in the first place, it might get a laugh out of you that I first heard of Chainsaw Man. Because it was actually the first collab with a uh, cheesecake mobile game that I play called uh, Nikkei. <laughs> yeah, 
heard I've heard about this. this and ex- that's how I know about Chainsaw Man. It's from Makima's butt. <laughs> I I was not playing during the time where that uh, that crossover happened. Okay, but I heard about Chainsaw Man. So, <laughs> oh yeah, that there is. I've heard about the controversy of that game from from not the game, but from the tie-in. Because when they did, uh, when they announced the tie-in, uh, like Makima had like a, a trench coat that covered up her butt, and so people were like, no. <laughs> That's why I play the game. <laughs> <laughs> the real funny thing, like genuinely, uh, the best part of Nikkei is the writing. <laughs> I'm oh. not even joking about that. Is it like uh, like that's why I stick with it? It's it's got like, the character writing is actually good. And the narrative arcs are actually delve into like uh, transhumanism subjects. It's actually good you would not believe it but that's what actually holds my attention about it the best i mean the best fan servicey things are those that are just like also just like good so the writing should be good so that makes sense yes i'm being accused of i play it for the plot and like <laughs> no genuinely unironically uh so <laughs> Chase Man has nothing to do with sex. Anyway, so this girl wanted to have sex with Tenji. <laughs> this girl that we've never met before uh, was introduced last chapter by Yoshida as just like wanting to go on a date with Denji, and then just immediately she started touching his junk over his pants. Uh, and she apparently just like is just down. She she says she says she's heard that Denji's a virgin and that, you know, they can have sex. Quote, I've got nothing better to do anyway, which is just the most flattering thing that you can say to the person you're going to, you're planning to have sex with. Only exceeded by, if you go lick that dead devil, then I'll I'll let you have sex with me. (laughs) Oh, so, uh, in a, in a brief moment, uh, Denji shows how much he's grown. For, for throughout the course of the series our boy our, our 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 sweet boy who started off in the series wanted nothing more than just to have a girlfriend who would let him touch her boobs and have sex with her uh he thinks now like this is kind of sketchy actually it's it's really weird that a girl is just suddenly approaching me like this why would you even want to date me even though we've never met before i've matured I don't fall for honey traps anymore. And besides, I'm sick and tired of mindlessly obeying somebody for the bait that's dangled right in front of me. So get out of here and have some respect for yourself. Is what would have been really cool for me to say, Denji thinks, as he licks the dead devil. <laughs> it's such a great... This was, this was so good. This was such a good uh, fake out where it was just like... I really appreciate the subtext here. It's like, okay, so he's doing the degenerate thing because, you know, that's just what he does. But all the while, he's not fantasizing about what he's going to do with this lady. He's fantasizing about being able to respect himself. Oh, that would have been really cool if I had said that instead of caving immediately. (laughs) Because my life is not filled with love, and so I just try and fill it with base urges. Uh, and then he even like sucks on the tentacle of the thing when the girl tells him to, and he just thinks, huh, eh, she's cute. Like, I mean, 
Yeah, but you could do better, Denji. <laughs> you could get a cute girlfriend who also won't humiliate you by demanding you lick devils before having sex with them. <laughs> uh, and um, they go to Karaoke Fujimoto, which I, I feel like... I don't know why Fujimoto put his own name on this karaoke place, but he did. So here we go. I uh, mean, may as well. I guess. Yeah. Uh, and so he's confused by this. Like, what? Or why are we, we going to have sex at a karaoke place? And she points out that, you know, they're high school students, so they can't go to a love hotel. People will be suspicious. Yes, that is true. Uh, that, that tracks, at least. So Denji, smooth operator that he is, says, uh, shall we get to it? Uh, no confidence <laughs> at all whatsoever. The girl however has something very important to do first and she begins singing and she does and not stop singing <laughs> she does not stop singing and honestly I, I'm kind of over here questioning if she ever starts singing because these sure don't sound like lyrics <laughs> this is some sort of like combination between like a punk song and a J-rock song of some sort with the very poetic lines of smooch, smooch, lovely, gropey, gropey, horny, horny, jiggle, jiggle, boing, schlick, licky, licky. Repeat multiple times until getting into stuff about aluminum, the meaning of rock, uh, the old crew being laid off, and yeah. Anyway, in the middle of this, someone barges into the karaoke booth and attacks Denji with a bat he kicks the guy in the face while he's sitting down, and then the fight scene from Old Boy starts happening. <laughs> it's just a line of people come storming in to attack Denji, and there is literally a line of them patiently waiting outside to approach through the door as he just knocks them out one by one, and the girl doesn't stop singing as all this is going on, and eventually Denji picks up one of the guy's bats, goes outside, and just starts whacking people in the face with it, and the girl eventually follows him outside and picks up a bat. <laughs> while singing. Yeah. And <laughs> I, I, I have to say, like, this scene was extremely no more heroes in its energy. Just, yeah, Denji gets attacked by all these guys and just kind of goes with it and starts killing people it, with a baseball bat. Yeah, so it's like, okay, we have this guy with who has no self-respect for himself. The one thing he knows how to do is fight. He gets played by this lady who's basically just looking to fight him, take advantage of him, whatever. And there's just endless dudes coming at him with bats and stuff. It's like, this is just right out of No More Heroes, I swear. This is this is basically Denji cosplaying as Travis Touchdown for an episode. <laughs> uh, so at the end of things, all these dudes are... Uh, knocked out slash dead i mean if you get brained in the head with a baseball bat you could very easily die uh mm -hmm. and he has like gone into this ecstatic trance of some sort uh and he comes out of it just a little bit to observe that the girl has come out of the booth as well she's got a baseball bat too and uh it seems like they're gonna fight uh based off of the way that they're looking at each other uh so 
there's a couple of different things that could be at work here. It could be just straight up that this girl is a devil. There's been a lot of devils at work recently that have been coming after Denji, trying to kill him or manipulate him in certain ways. This girl was put up to this by Yoshida, uh, who is doing some sort of thing along with Fami, the famine devil. So maybe she is aligned with them. Uh, but with all the weird twists and turns that the last chapter was Denji going, she's touching my wiener because the girl was touching his wiener. And this is where we end up one chapter later. So who knows what happens next? <laughs> well, they're brandishing their bats at one another. So, you know, Freud. Yeah. And, uh, we've, uh, we've ended the chapter. <laughs> Uh, I, I, I don't want to analyze anymore because I don't, I feel like it's just taking away from such a beautiful moment. And also I don't know what's going on. So. Yeah, this was, this is basically like my first time actually reading Chainsaw Man, like ever, you know, like the names aren't even used here. I wouldn't know mm -hmm. the name was Denji if you hadn't said it. So yeah, she, she you know, called, this, she this calls is a, this senpai is a, the whole time. Yeah, this was this was a pretty excellent. All right, hang on, you have my attention here. Just from the opening alone, of <laughs> of just the guy fan of just Denji fantasizing about having any dignity at all. There, this is actually a really good single chapter representation of the series. There's violence. There's weird humor. Uh, sudden jolts between them and also uh an undercurrent of denji having a deep-seated self-loathing uh so <laughs> right good yeah, stuff it was, like, it, was, it was really good this was a very good jumping on point like that was like, coming into this like that was the thing that i was very much looking forward to like okay there's got to be at least one here that has to magically by coincidence be a good jumping on point and i'm kind of happy it yeah. was chainsaw man it's a good one uh, speaking, speaking of jumping on points, uh, I want I wanted to ask you. Uh, so, Kaiju number eight is our next series. It's a series that has not quite reached one hundred chapters yet, although it's getting there. So, based off of just the one chapter that I had you read for, to prepare for this, <laughs> how popular do you think this series is? This one, yes. Uh, Kaiju number eight. Uh... Since you're posing the question to me here, I'm imagining the answer is going to be very popular. Looking over what I saw, I can't say I've really found anything I was particularly impressed with. This is a, just a straight-up action chapter. Uh, mm -hmm. And removed from the context of what's going on, I can totally understand why it's not seeming super exceptional to you. Uh, Hoshina is a character that uh, is definitely a favorite on this po this, this podcast, but this chapter is not really a showcase of his personality. And even though he's fighting the dynamic that he has with his weapon, uh, Kaiju number 10, who who is basically like like a venom symbiote, you know, it, it fights it fights with him and adds its own personality. Uh it's really just kind of like saying kind of neutral things instead of them, their con, their personalities contrasting with one another. And yes, Kaiju number eight is a pretty popular series. It's not actually in Shonen Jump proper. 
Uh, it's in mm. Jump Plus, which is an online service, and it's considered one of the three series uh, that are in that right now that are like really big. Uh, Chainsaw being one, right, of, one, right. of, one of the other two. Uh, but Kaiju right. Number 8 doesn't have an anime adaptation yet. It's going to get one, though, uh, pretty soon. Fair enough. Yeah, like, if looking looking over everything, it's like, okay, it looks like there's rules that are set up with this setting. And so they seem to be following those rules while also, you know, doing their own thing with them. But as someone who's just coming in, it's kind of difficult to figure out, okay, I see that there are rules. I don't know what they are, so I can't really appreciate a lot of this. What kind of stuff gives you the impression that they're, like, rules? I'm curious. Uh, so they're, like, talking about, like, okay, this thing has a core. It's in some place. Mm-hmm. It's not in any of the places that I initially thought. I have to figure out where it is. There it is. Like, okay, so cores are important. You need to get to the core. You need to gradius it up and shoot the core. Cool. So, But evidently, they're also manipulatable. So these things have some degree of agency and are not like mindless or whatever so or at the very least there's an operating element that is you know sufficiently cognizant to uh what's the term i want to hear adapt as you know a situation changes and that seems to be kind of what this conflict is about is presenting something new while also attempting to adapt to something unexpected. Interesting. And that seems to be a thing that both sides are doing. At least that's the impression that I get. In this particular fight, and I guess in the string of fights that have been happening, that's definitely the case, because this is one in a series of fights that are happening where uh, Hoshina and several of the other top agents of the Kaiju Defense Force have had really powerful kaijus that have literally been biologically designed to counter their abilities. So Mm. each of them has had to evolve or adapt in some way for the fight that they're experiencing. Hoshina, for example, uh, he normally fights with two blades, but uh, this thing perfectly is countering those abilities. So he has been forced to switch to a single blade technique uh, which he is also good at, but it's not his specialty. So because, of, but because this kaiju is not literally designed to counter that, he's been having some success, and that's why he has the edge in this chapter. He's able to actually deal some damage to the thing, but it's a matter of he can't get to the core to actually literally finish it off. And with a kaiju, unless you destroy the core, they just constantly regenerate and they won't right. die. Yeah, I was, I was just over here thinking. Ah, I see. So we have Raiden fighting a regenerator from Resident <laughs> Evil 4. He definitely looks like Raiden. Yes. Uh, <laughs> he does have a, he definitely has a Raiden look to him. Mm. Uh and so we get this kind of like emphasis on how much Hoshina has trained, how he is a master of the blade while you were doing X Y and Z, I was true, <laughs> yeah, all that. But he's been training his literally his entire life with uh close combat weapons like this. And so he's able to keep on dealing damage with this thing. But then it gets to a point right at the end of the chapter as he's going for the finishing blow. He's opened up uh, the the kaiju so that he has exposed the core. Uh, He goes for his quick draw technique and the kaiju mimics his stance to do the quick draw attack. And at first, Hoshina is dismissive of this, like, what the hell is he doing? 
there come on you can't possibly just pull off some trick and you you can't just do this in seconds something that i've been taking years and years to master but kaijin number 10 realizes like shit you're in trouble you need to defend and the thing manages to strike hoshina before it can strike uh he can strike it and he's only just able to block the blade but he's getting his ass smashed backwards uh so hoshina's in really big trouble we were told uh in the last couple of chapters that he was using essentially his last ditch effort by switching from two blades to one blade so uh yeah <laughs> he's in he's in dire straits at this point is uh, the point of this chapter i think i also saw something in there that gave me the impression that he's like like how do i phrase this you know he's like using the like the last of his adrenaline or whatever like he's like on some kind of like super mode or something and that's going to burn him out or something like that or is that just the sword thing that uh that is accurate that is something that has been brought up because basically a lot of the technology that the defense force uses is by putting them in these powered suits uh like the one hoshina is wearing although his is an exceptional case because it's literally made from the body of a numbered kaiju uh kaiju number eight is one of the numbered kaiju uh but uh in in so in this case it's a particularly powerful one that only certain people have uh the ability to actually utilize only only a few people are compatible with them but because right. he's a human drawing on the strength of a monster there's only so long that he can actually use it before yes he burns out so on top of everything right. else with this thing kicking his ass he's going to just burn out of uh, out of energy before long mm -hmm, mm -hmm. not a uh not an enviable position nope but uh yeah like i said you don't really understand if you don't know who hoshina is i totally understand why you're not getting a lot from this right now, that's kind of the metric i'm running by here like how how approachable are any of these chapters as jumping on point and i'm just kind of filtering my thoughts through that yeah unfortunately we, we had a spy family chapter that didn't have anya in it uh so um <laughs> yeah uh have you heard about spy family for <laughs> i've heard that it has succeeded where shinzo abe has failed Yes, yes. <laughs> I've heard the same thing, too. <laughs> oh, man, having a family sounds nice. <laughs> oh, man. And that's absolutely the only reason that people think about doing that kind of thing. It's not like there's something else that people have seen from this series at all. No. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, that's that is I that is, I think the first thing that I've heard from several people when they hear about this series too is just like wow this series is super popular it's about having a family and isn't that nice so but the this this plot line this this current plot that they were on with spy family has been way more on the spy end of things uh, nothing to do really with the family the only thing you really mm -hmm. need to know in this context is that. Uh, Lloyd, who is, I, I wouldn't even say he's the main character because I feel like Anya is the main character, but he's, you know, the person that is actually trying to drive the plot forward. He's the one with the mission to accomplish that is the baseline mm -hmm. for the, the entire foundation of the plot. Uh, he is in 
he's been knocked out by this count this double agent uh while in disguise as yuri yours brother and he actually encountered yuri earlier on uh they had a tussle so yuri got himself beaten up but lloyd is actually unconscious and at the mercy of uh oh gosh i forget his name Wuh. i it's wah it's was something wheeler wheeler uh Yuri, however, gets woken up by another agent. Uh, he is heavily wounded. He still wants to, of course, you know, go on with the mission. Uh, but he's told, like, no, you're going, you're, no. You're an <laughs> idiot. Go to bed. Uh, Lloyd fucked him up. Like, it was a massive beatdown <laughs> earlier. So, uh, but he realizes, like, I was unconscious and at that agent's mercy. So why didn't he kill me? And right. he starts to suspect what's going on. It's like, ah, oh, well, that would suggest something. Uh, <laughs> I like that transition. It's just like, ah, I'm going to have a revelation any moment now. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Ah, there it goes. So he's he's also presumably not thinking very clearly because he's been beaten so up. Yeah, having a having a head injury would yeah. preclude that. He was literally beaten into a consciousness. Yes. Uh, meanwhile, Lloyd was being into unconsciousness. Wheeler has him and is like threatening to like peel his mask off, which won't really do anything, I guess. Fiona, his fellow I mean, age- like if we're being entirely real here, you know, if we imagine this man as a luchador, that's the most horrendous <laughs> thing that you can possibly do to him. Oh, it gives such an entirely new meaning to what's going on here. This is just a re- it's just happening in the, in a wrestling ring right now. It makes sense now. Uh, Fiona. Oh well, yeah, yeah. And this guy is over here cutting a promo, and then she reverses it. Yes. Uh, Fiona is, by the way, in love with with Lloyd, like obsessively, madly in love with him. Uh, and Lloyd is ignorant of that, of course, because that's a shonen thing. Uh, mm-hmm. Wheeler threatens to just break Lloyd's neck and is like, hey, you know, toss away that gun of yours. And Fiona does toss the gun and she throws it so hard that it like breaks against the ground. And she stomps on it uh, because Wheeler has, doesn't realize that she has already entered her berserker rage. And he goes on and on like, oh, yeah, well, you don't strike me as the soft type. Uh, maybe huh, maybe this guy's of personal importance to you. We can't have sentimental attachments in this line of work. I don't trust anyone. I don't invest anything into anyone, and that's why I always have a clear view of everything. It's what makes me strong, and why you and he have no hope of beating me. So Fiona, charges him. Out. Fiona charges him, and uh, she punches him and Wheeler realized like oh wow she's like really fast but I've got I've got a block and he blocks the punch and thinks well it's not like you know she's she's gonna be able to hurt me so hard because she's got that small body and she punches him so hard that his arm goes into his face and breaks his <laughs> tooth behind it and I did really like that these panels were excellent it's just she just projects her fist towards him and turns him into body horror for a hot second. Uh, yeah. Fiona breaks her arm in multiple places because she has punched him so hard. Uh, 
and so she's ruined her arm and his arm and knocks him to the ground does not care she is still going very in violent murder rage and wheeler is just stunned thinking like what 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 and we get narration to helpfully explain that fiona is um running on sheer adrenaline such that all of the physical mental inhibitors in her body are gone uh she's not holding back a single ounce of her strength, which means that she is not preventing her own body from breaking itself apart because she's so angry because uh, he done hurt her man. Yeah, we, uh, we've got a gold moment over here. A gold, a gold moment? Uh, Macross Plus. Oh, well, that's completely... Sorry, that's outside of my, my range, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Would you turn the limiters off and then... Uh... Things happen, we'll say. Uh, but hey, Fiona, on top of being in a unstoppable rampage, she's also got bars. Uh, she says that you're actually the one who's weak because you're just afraid of dying and being betrayed. You're incapable of trusting anyone, and so you've got no one to believe in. You've given up on the world, and you've got nothing to draw strength from. You're just... An empty man meddling in the world for no reason greater than your own amusement. I'm not afraid. I believe in that man. I think of him and 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 think of him. By the way, Anya can read minds and she has read Fiona's mind. And uh, yeah, that's what she does. (laughs) (laughs) I really, really, really appreciate the call out of you're just an empty man meddling in the world for no reason greater than your own amusement that is it, that's an extremely strong line yeah uh i like that a lot wheeler has looked very imposing up to this point in the very short time that we've known him he's a super spy able to counter even lloyd and uh, now he looks very pathetic so yeah effective uh she kicks him so hard his entire body bends around her leg of course this ruins fiona's leg and so wheeler thinks to himself it's okay though she's broken both of her arms from punching them and she's broken one leg too she can't do anything to attack me and then she keeps on spitting from the force of her kick and just punches him with one of her ruined arms (laughs) (laughs) it's such a good panel too it's it's a beautifully in motion two-page spread of his entire body whipping outward from the force of her punch uh yeah this is a uh, a fantastic depiction of righteous cruelty <laughs> yeah so fiona fiona punched him that's the chapter fiona punched the dude and it was good so okay 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 she punched him thrice and kicked him once okay let's be fair uh, my point is just they're satisfying punches that is all they and, were quality yes, yes. so um fiona i think has kind of been a bit up and down uh since she's been introduced because i mean there is literally just kind of like one thing about her which is just that she's obsessed with lloyd but hey obsessed with lloyd and that makes her beat the entire skeleton out of somebody i can get into that that's that's fun you know if you have yourself a uh if you have yourself a fixation and you realize this, then channel that energy into a productive outlet. And dealing with an absolute cretin is a fantastic methodology. That's true. 
I mean, try not to like break your arms and legs if you if you do channel it, but you know, be, just be careful. So, but I mean, if you do like beat the shit out of the guy as awful as this guy, then I guess it's worth it. Yeah. My point is, when you're on a murder path rampage and you're not seeing reason, take a moment to assess the pros and cons, the costs versus the effect of what you're going to be doing, because that's the ideal time to stop and take a moment to do that. There is no time of greater clarity and introspection than a rampage. Yes. <laughs> it puts everything in a different perspective. All right. Fornea, that brings us to another series that is under 100 chapters. What kind of impression do you get from Akane Banashi? Do you think this is a popular series? How successful do you think it is? So... It took me a little bit to kind of figure out what was going on here because we're presented with, you know, an art style that seems rather atypical. I kind of want to say non-modern in a way. Mm. But then we're introduced to a more modern art style and we see a lot of people. And it's only a little bit into it that I see, oh, wait. This lady is performing Rakugo. Yes. I actually know what that is. Oh. And I'm able to piece together just what's going on here. She's doing performative art. And so the question here is, you know, who is she? Why is she doing this? And that, that other kind of thing. And it seems to be, you know, kind of a shonen take on how to, on, you know, performance art, you know, theater, you know, more uh, classical entertainment that seems to be you know the vibe I'm getting and I think that's actually kind of interesting the at, fir at first I wasn't really very impressed but then once I realized oh I see they're just showing the performance and none of these things are actually happening this is the performance all right you actually have my attention here this actually seems pretty decent I'd imagine this is actually doing fairly well this is one of the more popular things that has debuted in Jump in the last couple of years. Uh, it's, uh, I mean, it's not the most popular thing, I think, of the last couple of years, but it is doing quite well for itself, considering that it is an atypical series for the magazine that it is in. Uh, it, yes, it is about performance art, uh, and it's great, uh, and I love it. Um, and I think that it does... I think it also speaks highly of the series that, you know, you coming into this with like literally no context for what the series was, you were able to grasp what was going on in media res. This is like towards the end of, of this, of a small arc that we've been on in Akane's oh, story, uh, mm -hmm. which was like there, she's joined basically this, this competition uh, for lower ranking Rakugo uh, ranking of Zenza. Uh, and if she wins this tournament, she gets to perform with uh, a senpai of hers from the same school at a, at a particular show. So that's kind of one of the things that's on the line, in addition to the fact that mm -hmm. this is a way of measuring how she measures up uh, to some of her peers who would be going to school around the same time. So... Mm -hmm. And this is a big climax to that as, and as well as like there was a big moment that happened last chapter where... Uh, Akane basically was able to tap into her father, who w also was a Rakugoka, and was just, as it turns out, not really suited to 
doing that. He just kind of didn't have the the talent for it, even though he had the passion. Mm-hmm. And, and Akane was able to tap into that even and use it as a strength. Uh, and she had this big revelation of like, I've always you know loved my dad and his rock ago, and now I kind of realize he wasn't really actually great at it, but I still love him and I love that about him and she was able to have a much more mature and deeper connection to it and turn that into a strength for her own performance and that comes out in the beginning of this chapter where we have this vulnerable moment uh, in this uh, story of a husband reflecting on his relationship with his wife where you know he's you know shouting at her like oh give me some food but then he reflects like god like why why, I'm an asshole what, what am I supposed to do around her and stuff and we get this, you know, understanding that sometimes the image that people project outwards is not telling the whole story. And so when you right. know that greater context and then you see them trying to fulfill that image, you just you still have a different impression of them. Mm-hmm. And as a result of that, Akane's got this much deeper impression is able to convey that sense of meaning to everyone. And one of the judges of the competition uh, is just reflecting on this, like, geez, like these people are really drawn into this. And I've heard rumors about how talented this girl is, but I had no idea she had this much skill at doing this. It's been ages since I listened so intently to a Zenza's performance. Right. And uh, then we get a bit more of the story, a bit of just kind of like banter between the husband and wife. But now, of course, as was explained earlier on, we've got the greater context of like, who the husband actually really is, what he actually feels about his wife. And so that it puts a different spin on the banter that they have than just like right. silly banter. And then we get uh, the organizer of the tournament observing Akane. He thinks to himself, like, for a while now, I've thought that, you know, she was the opposite of her father that this kind of art of inviting empathy and drawing people in wasn't suited to her strengths. I thought that she belonged to the Isho school. Uh, and that's what I thought, but now I realize that she has actually grown into a member of the Shikama school, which is her actual master and a different sect of uh, right, the right. same roots. So we get an amazing comparison from Maikeru, who is the one who taught Akane this story, which is, he gave her three different options for the story to perform for this competition. The other two would have made her, uh, to use RPG terms, have her fire magic that she already had be really, really strong. But this one, changing time, would have allowed her to use fire and water. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of figured the 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 analogy here, given the the visual presented, was like, okay, she has the one... She could have a second, but the third option here is to take the sword and be, you know, more of a multi-class as opposed to a dedicated mage. If that's, you know, at least that's my interpretation of the visual. That's definitely one one way of looking at it uh, as well. But uh, yeah, the, the, the point that he's making is that Akane could have just like stuck to someone who like decided her own strengths, but because of the options that she did. I gave her this high risk, high reward option. She sees that opportunity. And on top of that, she made it her own. And so he thinks to himself while watching her performance, go on, 
you're almost to the right answer. Which is nice because this is still a young series at this point, so it's nice to be told, like, yeah, Yakana's mm-hmm. taking a big step forward. She's not fully actualized as a performer just yet, so she's got a long way to go as well. Uh, yeah, this was this was definitely pretty pleasant, and it's like I appreciated that it's like okay, we've got some shonen tropes here, but this actually seems to be you know rather introspective and insightful of things, and this was this was compelling for me as a as a bit of a jumping on point as soon as I figured out what was going on. If I didn't know what Rakugo was, then maybe that mm. <laughs> wouldn't have applied. So I can definitely see this being something to jump onto easier. You know, if you are far more familiar with, you know, classical Japanese culture mm-hmm. or, you know, given given elements of, you know, entertainment or just classic entertainment. And, you know, that happens to go through the feed. If you have no concept of what Rakugo is, then I do imagine this is something that you would very much want to start from the beginning on as opposed to this as a jumping on point. But for myself, I'm fortunate enough that I have, in fact, played Ace Attorney 6. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the window into all Japanese culture, of course. <laughs> Eat your hamburgers, Apollo. <laughs> <laughs> there will be no context given if you don't understand that joke. <laughs> it's a great reference, though. Appreciate it. Oh, Absolutely. Uh, they're... Uh, it's a very By the way, everyone, can you tell that I play video games? <laughs> there is a very small bit that is at the end of the chapter, and it's actually a very important bit. Uh, I don't think that you would ever suspect this from seeing this, but Shinta, Akane's father, apparently his his wife, Akane's mom, told uh, told him, hey, make sure that you tune into Akane's Rakugo performs on the stream. And uh, he's just watched his daughter perform, and he is overwhelmed with emotions, which I'm sure is in no small part to the fact that this was one of his stories uh, right. that he would perform. You would never get this impression, I don't think, from just reading this chapter. This is the first time Shinta has actually appeared in the present in this series. Mm. Every other time that we've seen him has been in, like, a flashback or was before like the beginning of the series time skip, which kind of like set things in motion. So right, it's been right, like, right, right. it's been basically 70 chapters since we saw, we actually saw him in the present. And it's not just a memory of Akane's. So it's right, actually yeah. a big moment that he appears here. Yeah. Like without the context of knowing that this man is, you know, her father and other whatnot, you know, all I really had to go off of was this is something that is very, personal in some respect you know i couldn't pin if this guy was like a father or a boyfriend or something or whatever but it was pretty clear that the performance that she's putting on means a lot to him (laughs) so they definitely land that (sighs) oh okay so blue box chapter 110 interview so <laughs> this is the cute series for <laughs> it's the cute series this is so taiki and chinatsu are two main characters they have been crushing on each other for a little while and they mm-hmm. just started going out like they they became right. a couple like a month ago uh and, hallelujah yeah so 
it's Taiki's birthday. And as it turns out, because of a family emergency, Taiki's family is away. Chinatsu, for plot hook reasons, is staying with Taiki's family, unrelated to the fact that they started, you know, being all romantic with each other. Uh, right. And Taiki's family doesn't know about it, which means, oh, man, it's my birthday and we're a couple and my family's not here. So we don't have to pretend not to be a couple. But then you... uh you have to understand as well that when Chinatsu has been at her most perverted, thinking about what she wants to do with Taiki, it's been touching his hair and holding his hand. <laughs> ah, yes. Hand holding the deviant classic. Mm-hmm. So uh, Chinatsu is going to make some dinner for the birthday boy. Uh, and she says, hey, go get changed and stuff. Taiki, however, has, says like, oh, can I help out? Because I want, you know... I want to remember my dinner as something we make together. And uh, Chinatsu doesn't seem very happy about this at first, but uh, he's like, oh, I want to do it. So they're going to make omurice together. And uh, so uh, because, you know, they went out when they went when they had gone when they had talked about previously, she was like, yeah, I decided to make it instead of us going out for it and stuff. Uh, so right. they start preparing some ingredients and. Uh, there is a moment where uh, a bottle starts to fall, and uh, so Chinatsu uh, goes to catch it, and he gets scared that she's going to burn her hand, so he grabs her wrist, and then they both get embarrassed because they're holding hands. Gasp! <laughs> uh, Taiki burns the rice, so he gets fired. Uh, he's no longer... <laughs> I really like that line. Am I fired? Yes. So she now prepares the rest of the omo rice and she makes a drawing on it in ketchup. Just like if you were gone out for omo, for omo rice, she draws on it and she gives him a little picture of Taiki and he's got his badminton racket with him. <laughs> Taiki says, is that a boy catching bl bugs with melon bread? Which like, come on, dude, it's literally you doing your club activity. <laughs> uh, and, uh, I like how Taiki says at first, like, is that how I look to you? And Chinatsu says, yeah, this is how cool you look. She's like, yes. Yes, Chinatsu, have confidence in your art. Very good. <laughs> I really, really like that. The, 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 the whole thing about, like, this is how cool you look. And he takes a moment to actively reflect on it. He's just like, cool. Oh, she thinks I'm cool. <laughs> so, like, even though, you know, the presentation is a little on the silly side, amateurish. You know, I think the the message sufficiently resonates that, you know, even though it looks silly and could come across as a mockery, it doesn't because it Absolutely. shouldn't. It's way better that she is entirely sincere about it. And, and also, also funnier. That she's completely sincere about it. Because if you think it's a music drawing, it's like, oh, no, she thinks it's good. Yeah, that's, that, that, that's funnier. The key, to, the key to comedy isn't always just, like, undercutting everything. A lot of times, just, like, pure sincerity is the funniest that you can do. Absolutely. No doubt. Uh, and then, you know, we have the uh, the moment over here where they're just going into full food porn mode or at least uh in terms of discussion where they're talking about the aroma of the onions and the butter plus the sweetness of ketchup and eggs all come together and 
This is this is Blue Box's uh, way of doing food porn. If this were Shokugeki no Soma, then their clothes would have burst off and they would have had orgasms from eating it. <laughs> but, and uh, like, I, I, I really like, you know, that examination that's kind of contemplated about like, wait a minute, we did this together and this is good, even though, you know, he got fired for burning the rice. It still yes. came out really well. Yeah, it's nice. And then we have the post-game interview, which I really, really like. Yeah, she's so Shinatsu takes, I think, the same bottle they nearly dropped before, and she uses it as a stand-in for a microphone and starts interviewing Taiki about what it feels like to be 16. Uh, and she's <laughs> like, oh, you got any goals? I was like, uh, to reach nationals, and I've got to overcome some high walls. Uh, but he also thinks, like, I'm going out with Shinatsu-senpai now, so I can't be a whiner anymore. I want to win more! And uh, it's like, that's not even like enough for Chinasa. She keeps on going. It's like, oh, yes, I'm looking forward to your efforts. <laughs> uh, but uh, hey, they're also gonna, they're also like heading into their next year. Chinatsu was named the captain of the basketball team in like mm. the prior mm-hmm. chapter to this. So now like, hey, she and Taiki are going to have to be like responsible upperclassmen now and stuff. Uh, and, right, right. And so Taiki's asked, like, oh, what kind of senpai do you want to be? And he's like, oh, I guess, like, the hardcore type. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, I do. I do like the uh, I like the uh, the internal of based on my own upperclassmen is like, ah, I see. And uh, you feel this way because you feel you have some big shoes to fill. Right. Well, and, Ch- and Chinatsu is a year older than him, so she's included right. in that group. And uh, Which is what they talk about next. Right. So so Taiki says, like, well, you're pretty hardcore yourself. And then he's saying to himself, like, you know, suddenly hugging me, holding my hand. <laughs> oh, X-rated hardcore hugging. <laughs> but then we get into real serious territory. Because Chinatsu says to Taiki, are you going to just keep on calling me Chinatsu-senpai now that we're dating? I'm your girlfriend now. And Taiki's just like, ah, ah, Chinatsu-senpai. He can't do it. He can't do it. And she was getting so worked up. She was ready to be so emotional over this when he would just like call her just Chinatsu. And nope. He can't do it. He gets too embarrassed. He gets too flustered. Uh, but Shinatsu says, okay, well, I guess this is something we're going to have to work on going forward. Taiki. And uh, I, I, I really appreciate it. It's like, oh, hey, like we have, you know, teenage awkwardness going on here, but also like no one's being a stone dead dance idiot. Yes. And it's really refreshing to just see people just go like, okay. You know, just taking things with like actual maturity. I was actually really happy about that. This is like of all the ones that we read today, like this was probably the one that I actually liked the most on first glance. Blue Box is repeatedly kind of shocking to me in that it stubbornly refuses to follow the most frustrating things associated with like romantic comedies in manga mm. and shonen in particular of, you know, refusing to just progress or characters not communicating effectively taiki taiki and chinatsu have an amazingly healthy relationship even independent of the romance between them because they'll actually talk to each other about what they're going through and what's going on with them thank pork yeah like 
I'm generally not interested in heteronormative relationships. It's incredibly rare for me to find one where I go like, oh, hey, this is a good one. I like this one. And, you know, about the only other uh, example I can think of that is uh, Bunny Girl Senpai. Hmm. And I was actually thinking about that when I was reading this. It's like, oh, hey, these two are actually communicating. They're talking. They're being mature with one another. And, you know, kind of working through their own business with each other in their own way. And they're being understanding of that. And they seem to actually have a good chemistry, even if, you know, things aren't going, quote unquote, correct. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so Taiki still can't call Chinatsu anything other than Chinatsu Senpai. He can't take that step just yet. So, you know, Chinatsu's just like, all right, keep on working hard. <laughs> I look forward to your future efforts. Yeah, yeah. Uh but this was very cute. Yeah, like I'm over here just going. This is in a show. This is in Shonen Jump. This yes. feels like it shouldn't be in Shonen Jump. This is an incredibly popular Shonen Jump series. In fact, this. I think it would have to be. I don't think it would work if it wasn't. I I kind of get what you mean. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. So Blue Box, cute as always. It was very good. Now, Fernea, tell me. <laughs> How popular do you think Cypher Academy is? It's a chapter 33. This one... This one had, like, a lot of talking going on. <laughs> and a lot of it is going on about rather specific things. And there's just, like, some... Uh, some like a dragon slash Yakuza style introductions where it's just like, ah, yes, this class, this position, this name. And I thought that was pretty amusing. I feel like if something is in, you know, Shonen Jump or something and it hasn't been, you know, pulled in the first like three months, it has to be doing at least decently. That's, I guess, uh, that's a pretty accurate assessment, I would say. Uh, so Cypher Academy is not, like, popular, I would say, but it yeah, does well like, enough. This well was kind enough. of hard for me to break into, like, okay, there, we're talking about, like, all these extremely heady things with these characters that are not really being, being given any particular, like, momentum context. But I was like, okay, like, if, if we look back at, say, you know, Kaiju number eight, you know, I have absolutely no context going into it. I wouldn't know anything about it. But I can at least kind of sort of interpret a few things just by, like, considering a moment or another. Cypher Academy just kind of feels like, okay, if Kaiju number eight has rules, then this one has too many. Rules. <laughs> I, 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 and I feel yeah. like that's probably the point. It kind of is. Yes. Uh, the closest thing I think of, of a, of a very popular jump series, that I think that this could equate to would be Yu-Gi-Oh, which, you right. know, famously had a lot of like really confusing rules to, the various games that are played with it and also originally at least would jump between a bunch of them that was the entire point was it was the king of right. games you know there would be a bunch of different challenges that would happen and they would always be different cypher academy they are always related to solving some sort of code 
Although right. the interpretation of code is often very loose, and this is about the loosest it's gotten before, because we do get a breakdown, for, a rundown, fortunately, of the rules of the test that we're in the middle of this, which is there are three teams trying to capture each other, uh, and this is also done by solving puzzles. <laughs> so. Right. Like, I'm I'm watching, like, this whole thing, because, like, I feel like trying to give, like, a point-by-point point of this is kind of fruitless, <laughs> if I'm being entirely honest. We, we get to the point where it's just like, okay, this lady is going to solve these three puzzles all at the same time. And the most, like, absolutely ridiculous one is the stupid leaf over here. <laughs> uh yeah like okay solve this mathematical number code but also notice that the shonen jump initials are formed from the stem of the leaf and i'm like (laughs) where did you get that where did you get this leaf how many of these shonen jump leaves do you have in your backpack that you're just ready to break out at a moment's notice and scratched out the numbers with her fingernail too it it seems (laughs) Uh, yeah, there's some weird puzzles. The whole point of the, of the chapter is that anonymity requested comes across in, in all at one go, three members of the slug team that she's looking to capture. She snatches their tails, gets presented with three puzzles, and she first makes out like, oh, hey, yeah, take me on one by one. And instead they're like, no, we're going to present you all the, the, our puzzles all at once. And they present them to her. And she solves all three of them in 10 seconds and captures all of them. Uh, the, the sound puzzle is bullshit. It's, just, it's like, you, let's assume that the, the rocks laid out are actually planets. Yeah, like, like, come on, fuck off. I was like, what, what even is this? Um, and then there is, yes, one of them is about the 55th anniversary of Shonen Jump, which you're supposed to get because the stem looks like a W and a J, but at least like that like, one's that's a, math a fourth wall one. It's like, okay, I yeah. can give that one like, okay, that one's kind of a cute joke, but like, what? <laughs> no. <laughs> and, uh, then the, the puzzle with the, with the sundial is just kind of stupid. Uh, but I guess it makes sense because it no longer works as a sundial. So while this is happening, uh, anime request is leading them all through. One of Class E, who is uh, tasked with one of the group tasked with actually capturing, uh, uh, not capturing, but with uh, basically measuring the rules to make sure that nobody actually breaks anything. Uh, anime says, like, I'm not going to take you directly to our hideout to capture you guys. I'm going to see if uh, you guys can also work defensively for me by capturing one of the people trying to capture me. Uh, in other words, uh, I'm making you guys my subordinates for right now. And they are very freaked out by this, that she's just very casually telling them all this stuff. Uh, and, uh, we do check in up very briefly with Iroha, who is, is just, you know, standing guard at base to make sure that there's someone at their jail, uh, because he can't move around very well because of the ball and chain that was locked to her around his leg. Uh, and it was a thing. It was a whole thing. Uh, but then he starts thinking. I was just kind of wondering, like, what this prison nonsense over here is about like bear in mind like all these characters are like kind of blending into same face territory for mm-hmm. me so it's like oh i didn't even realize this was a different character uh there is a bit of that and also unfortunately like there's so many characters in cypher academy because we had kind of just gotten to know 
about two thirds, maybe, of Iroha's class, class A, uh, which also includes anonymity requested. Before it was like, okay, now for interclass competition, six people from these five other classes are also going to be introduced. It's, it's just so many characters. Yeah, there's the, this one's a bit overwhelming. I would uh, definitely not recommend this one as a jumping on point. Uh, even if you read this from the beginning, you might be very confused, honestly. It's just it's always so much going on. Uh, it's just, it's it's also very fun sometimes because it's so ridiculous. Uh, and we close our chapter with Nohime, who is our semi-blind uh, and princessly character. Uh, she is being approached. Uh, she has been approached uh, by three people looking to capture her. Uh, so... Uh oh, she's gonna have to find a way to uh, try and get out of this situation, and uh, that's where we leave off. How about a bribe? Yeah, she she offers to hire them for a bunch of a bunch of cryptocurrency. By the way, Morgs is cryptocurrency uh, for Nick. <laughs> <laughs> of course, it is. It's Cypher Academy. You can't just have like regular currency. It's got to be something you got to solve an equation to get. It's fine. I figured it was more a more mundane thing. It's like oh. Of course, because ciphers are formed out of cryptography. Yes, it's like it's like uh, it's like that uh, Justin Timberlake movie, you know, in times and you know, it's it's it, like the seconds are in your veins, and 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 that's what you run on. So if you run out of morgue, then you actually die. So money is you know literally your lifespan, but it's cryptocurrency also. Yeah, okay. <laughs> oh boy. It's it's time for new sexorcist. So Oh, is that how you're supposed to no. pronounce this? I didn't even think of that. <laughs> no, but yes. But it, it's the right way to say it, but it's also that's not the correct way to say it, but it's the right way to say it. So I see, I see. It's the new, non canon but morally correct right. pronunciation. New New Way's Exorcist. Uh what do you think about this series? <laughs> uh after reading this one my thought was yeah that's the shonen manga <laughs> I, I, like there were a couple in here where i'm like i'm surprised this isn't shonen jump i looked at this i'm not surprised yeah, yeah. this isn't shonen jump this is precisely where this belongs uh have you are you are you aware of of maho sensei Neguma? I have heard the name. I okay. have not. Uh, I have not uh, indulged. Sure. Uh, so Ken Akamatsu, uh, the the writer of the series, famously uh, he in the late nineties wrote Love Hina, uh, which oh boy was you know a a pillar of the harem comedy manga. I genre. was going to say there's a bunch of ladies and one dude. Is this a harem thing? It's it it is not just a harem series, it is a genre defining harem series. Like that and oh, not my Lofina. goddess. I know about that one. Uh, I know about that trash fire. I'm talking about Oh, this one. This one. So uh, I, the reason I bring up specifically Negima is that after Akamatsu Ken uh, finished that, you know, it took a little bit of time off. And then for his follow-up series, he launched Negima, which starts off with Negi Springfield. He is the, bo the boy teacher of a, an all-girls class. Oh, my gosh. It's going to be another etchy love comedy series with a harem. And that is true. But also, it was Ken Akamatsu's way of backdooring in a battle series where 
almost all the girls in the class end up becoming like mages or martial artists or stuff. And, and so there is an entire huge battle series that happens alongside there being the harem comedy elements of it. New Way's Exorcist started off looking like it was a Bleach or Yu Yu Hakusho clone, as in, oh, there's this boy at this school who is suddenly introduced to this world of spirits and he gets exorcist powers and he has to fight them. And then it immediately devolved into being a harem comedy, like a, t- a chapter after that. So it, li- oh, wow. it didn't, it. it did an inverse Negima where it was like, oh, it'll be a, sh- it'll be, you know, it'll be a, 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 an exorcist Shinigami series. Like, no, it's a harem comedy. It's, and that does occasionally have fight scenes in it still. Yes. Uh, and we get both of them in this chapter, which is called Beach Memories, because there was a there was a beach chapter immediately prior to this where the girls were in swimsuits, because of course they were. Yeah, and they're in them at the at the back end of it as well. Yeah. Yep. I was kind of getting an impression that's like, okay, this seems typical for the kind of thing that I would associate with Shonen Jump. And then, you know, we look at the, uh, the single dude going on here and, oh, there, there was tension between everyone. But, you know, after the course of events, we always think you're actually pretty cool and you're all right. And, you know, oh, hey, wait, these are teens in swimsuits. Hmm. Yep. I'm getting an impression from here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yajima, he was he got to look cool in this chapter, which was essentially by by just going, "Oh, you're like my your parents died like my parents." Yeah. <laughs> um, this- uh, to the to the earlier question about how well do you think I'm. I think that this one is doing. I'm going to say I hope it's not doing well. Well, I'm sorry to dash your hopes. For this. Uh, of course, <laughs> this series it's did the most basic thing you could do, and it worked perfectly. <laughs> of course, I people look. I I'm not going to pass judgment on people for their taste, but the target demographic of this series has bought wholeheartedly into it uh and all the things that you can say about this in terms of like well so gakuro is a guy who's very sincere and he's surrounded by beautiful women and he's slowly impressing them all one by one you can just like describe that you know and and a Mm -hmm. large group of people will say like well that sounds like kind of a boring romantic comedy and some people will be like oh that's wonderful that girls love him because he's a nice guy and they and so they want to make out with him while they are in their booby suits uh and yeah so depending on your outlook you can describe the same thing and get different reactions from people that's just kind of what's happening uh this this chapter is a about Yajima both like helping out the exorcist girls who were uh, mocking him before uh while uh his uh, partner in this instance uh uh God, I keep on forgetting her name Fuyuki I think she is saying like why do you even bother to save them and stuff you know if you if you try and look out for other people like that then eventually you're going to get killed like my parents got killed and he, and Yajima goes your parents died my dad died we have that in common but I'm going to save everyone anyway <laughs> uh and he saves everyone he saves in particular Sujita who was the one who was bullying him the most ruthlessly 
uh, and uh, she is very, uh, you know, grateful towards him. She apologized for bullying them before. Suo Senpai shows up. They have some some meat together, and uh, so message 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 yes eat that meat so uh for uh Fuyuki is is like oh my god the meat's good because she's never had some before i guess uh she says she's never eaten the, the meat entire before. exchange on the back end was very strange and i she, couldn't really wrap my head around it she says i have no recollection of eating meat like at all which, how? I mean, are you, were you forced to be on a vegetarian diet? Like, I'm not saying that, like, that's, you know, vegetarian diets are bad. I just mean, like, she has. Yeah, like, if you're, if you're rolling vegetarian or vegan, that's cool. But not doing so with any voluntary action, that leads to questions and leaves me concerned. So, on top of that, like, she comes from an, ab an abusive family. Like, she she has oh, expectations boy. placed on her. But those expectations are to be st a strong combatant to serve the family. So mm -hmm. why can't she have protein, is my point. Yeah, that's kind of like, what, are we, are we just doing, like, Fujina. the Rocky Raw Egg Shake every day? It just goes up and down the stairs at the high school or whatever? Yeah, I I don't get it. Does but... she only punch meat? Is that it? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, uh, it, just, I, it doesn't make sense to me. But I, it's in the chapter. It's canon. I, she's never eaten meat before. Okay. I tell you what, if they if if they do another switch and this and like suddenly it just becomes rocky, I'm actually into it all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> just an old man shows up. <laughs> We're gonna train your kid. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna have you surrounded by even more women <laughs> oh no for the lady for the lady forget the guy oh okay <laughs> I, want, I want her to be rocky <laughs> uh <laughs> just abandon all the exorcist stuff and just like no we're gonna we're gonna train we're gonna we're gonna train Fujino to, to fight Apollo Creed yeah here's Carl Weathers he's right here he's fine he's See, like, that would actually get me on this. It's like, okay, we're going to bait this one thing. Now it's harem. Except, no, it's Rocky. Just <laughs> this lady is, and this lady is the boxer. It's like, okay, you know what? <laughs> you know what? <laughs> the double bait and switch, you have my attention. You have enough respect that I want. You give me enough respect for that. I want to check it out. <laughs> uh so Yajima, uh, he, he, he needs to go to the bathroom, runs literally into Sujita somehow. Like, there's no, like, it's difficult to assess exactly how they ran into each other, but they did. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, then Suchita is like, she's much more, like, you know, timid and is, like, more respectful towards, towards him. And is like, oh, I'm sorry for saying all those mean things to you. And thanks for saving me. And Yajima's like, you know, you don't have to help me out respectful. You can just go back to calling me Gaku if it's easier for you to say. And I'm also sorry about earlier. I'm sorry I was such an easy target for your bullying. I mean, admittedly, he did accidentally touch her boobs somehow. But I guess maybe that's what he's apologizing oh, for. Like, <laughs> Anyway, whatever. Anyway, she's got a crush on Yajima, I guess. She blushes and is like, okay, I'll call you that from now on. I, I mean, admittedly, Sujita is the first of like the four beautiful women in the quote unquote harem 
who actually explicitly is attracted to him. Like all the other girls have just kind of been like, go after that girl instead. So, uh, like no lie. The, uh, the whole thing of just call me Gaku. I'm just like, no, hang on here. That's one syllable away from another supposedly derisive name that is embraced by a shonen manga protagonist. Hmm. Oh, but that guy understood what love was. He didn't, you know, it's not like, you know, people would do, like be romantically interested in him and you just wouldn't understand it. It's an entirely different character. Just it just felt like cheap heat to me, you know. <laughs> uh that's it that's that's the chapter that uh everyone gets along now hooray all right tenmaku cinema scene 15 movies and music so uh we can wait why you tell me what do you think the how how well do you think the series is doing for now so this one was actually pretty easy to follow, you know, with, you know, the set they've got going on. We have a bunch of students going over movie production and everything that goes into that is like, okay, we did recording. Oh, wait, hang on. Audio is important. <laughs> right. Okay. Audio guy, can you audio? You're pulling this on me so quickly. Okay, fine. Let me audio. Give me a couple days. And, you know, and then he audios. <laughs> and then he audios, right? <laughs> with with the with a little motivation from being able to just talk with someone about why he audios, and you know it was simple enough. But I appreciated that you know the goal here is to, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? I don't I don't want to say make art because it sounds overly mm -hmm. uh, overly simplified. It's, but to it's about the creative process. Yes, yes, to to work on a creation. Um and that's something that I find to be interesting. You know, I am, you know, in the creation sphere mm. myself in a manner of speaking as a VTuber. Honestly, like I'm I've been hanging around with a bunch of other VTubers who are like, oh yeah, I need to get on with trying to see if I can get some traction doing these like YouTube shorts things or the TikTok and all that other kind of things. Like so now my head's like kind of in the territory of all right, what can I do to make, you know, these kind of videos. So like for the current headspace that I'm in you know, a manga about, you know, the creative process and like, oh, we were doing this. And then it occurred to us partly through the editing process that we have missed a very crucial thing. And yeah. we need to add that. It's like, ooh, that is like, as a reader, something that I appreciate as someone who is often very forgetful or misses details until they crop up to be an issue. So going over those kinds of creative stumbling blocks, especially with the inexperienced, the unfamiliar, or, you know, just someone, just, you know, folks who are in the learning process, I find that very relatable. And I think that there's a lot of creative types out there, especially nowadays, that would greatly appreciate this as, you know, as a concept in a series. So this is one where I'm where how well do I think that this is doing? I'm hoping this is doing well, but I also have a feeling that you're going to tell me that it's not. 
It's not. No. Uh, it's, I mean, it's, uh, it's hard to know for certain right now, uh, because like, we don't know how well, like the first volume of the series has sold yet. I don't think, uh, but in terms of how it looks like Shonen Jump is kind of like positioning it, it, it doesn't seem like its chances are very good right now. Uh, so we're not super optimistic about, uh, how, about the series lasting much longer, especially because in last in recent chapters, it feels like certain developments have kind of like been pushed up uh, a, a bit uh, in order to kind of like right. grant certain things some closure uh, when maybe we would have held off and developed them over more time uh, if the series were not going to be canceled. Uh, not, right, yeah. Nothing, nothing is certain until the actual last chapter <laughs> comes out, of course, but it seems like things might be heading that way. Uh, I do like the chapter on its own. I do think that it's a great, you know, just like kind of encompassing of a lot of the stuff that does have to be worked on. It was nice that Akitsu, who's just kind of been a supporting character through much of this, got his own kind of chapter. And it was nice to see him getting some one-on-one time with Kurai, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, who, who is a character that he's interacted with before, but like never one-on-one before. Uh, right. And it's also nice because... Uh, Within this series, Karai is like a popular child actress, so she was outside of the the club that Hajime was part of prior to starting to make this movie that they're making. So she's mm-hmm. not as familiar with everyone else as they are with each other. So it's nice that she's the one who kind of like gives him the little bit of a, of, of a push to get going is because like it's a fresh right. perspective for him. It's a nice, it's right. a nice touch. Yeah, I was getting the kind of feeling that uh, this lady is kind of the outsider in the situation, not like, you know, to a tremendous degree, but the one who's, I suppose, the least familiar. I was getting that impression. So I, I agree with you with just having, you know, the fresh perspective, you know, just being like, it's always something that I w- I've always been kind of fascinated with in that uh, there's a bit of a phenomenon where it's, in some respects, it's easier to discuss personal matters mm. with a complete stranger than yeah. it is with those who you are familiar with, because there's not going to be any judgment uh, or any kind of preconceived notion about right. that. You know, folks will just kind of take what you say at face value, you know, unless they're given some reason to think otherwise. But short of that, it's like, OK, you're telling me that, you know, such and such and such, this and this and this. OK. All right, I see that. And so here is my perspective on that. And, you know, as you say, that kind of fresh perspective can be very, you know, in a practical terms, very helpful and productive and inspiring in ways. And from the perspective of, you know, and of being, you know, a piece of media, you know, that can be seen as, you know, wholesome and you know relatable and those other kinds of things yeah uh there was one bit of this that i didn't quite get because uh karai makes the point that akitsu is like oh you come off as so aloof but it's really just a facade i don't know if i ever got the impression that akitsu was supposed to seem aloof he's definitely seemed like he's calmer and more mature than the other members of the club i don't know 
maybe that's just like the kind of energy that I normally give off to too of just like you know if you're if you're quiet and calm then you can, then you like seem like you're arrogant or something and I don't realize that about myself so uh yeah like I given what you say about uh, uh he's kind of been like something of a background character that sounds like a bit of a fourth wall lean to me possibly maybe this is a matter of like you know just again kind of needing to rush the writing a bit of like oh we'll just have a character say this is how they were supposed to come off while they're working <laughs> on the movie uh i also like the note it ends on with uh, hajime listening to the song and he's like reading more into it than akitsu was when he was making the music <laughs> oh boy <laughs> such a i don't ever go to a piece of music's uh youtube comment section to no. see what the super nerds ever talk about there because if you ever want to find where the people who really like something are go to its music pages that's where you're mm -hmm. always going to find them and sometimes you'll find nice insights and sometimes you'll find the most obvious observations in the fucking world by people who have no awareness of how obvious they are <laughs> Uh, yeah. All right. So, and then we end the chapter on like, we've got to go film a beach scene because presumably Shunseki was like, look, I've been good. I've only drawn one bikini scene in this entire series. I've been good. We're going to fail. Let me draw her in more bikinis and then is being let off the leash. But, uh, that's the note we end on. And yeah. So I, I'm trying not to like get my hopes up and be like, oh, maybe it'll last. And I'm just kind of trying to enjoy it, the series while it's while it's around. Yeah, hearing that it's kind of on the on the struggle bus, like the whole announcement about uh, the beach episode next week. Yeah, like that that does sound pretty desperate. All right, the elusive samurai, chapter one hundred nineteen, Tone River, thirteen thirty seven. Uh, so. Uh, Fernay, why don't you why don't you uh, uh, why don't you uh, uh, go over where we were last time? All right. So last time we were, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Truth be told, I can't even pretend. Like, no lie. I looked at the first panel. It's like, oh, this one stars a lady. Oh wait, no, it doesn't. No, <laughs> nope. He's just uh, he's just a pretty boy. That's all. Uh, um. Even I feel like I don't really remember what happened last time. They did some... They That's rode on horseback. The elusive samurai, it just eludes your memory. They, I really liked this series in the first couple of months of its publication, and it's been a very hit and miss uh, for a while at this point. Just so much just focusing on, like, the macro uh, of stuff that is happening uh because it's and which is partially because it's it's a it's a historical fiction series so this is based on historical events so there are certain beats that kind of need to happen certain figures that need to be introduced and so often there there'll be like oh and this figure was an important person in this it's like yeah but i don't care about who they are i just want you know like <laughs> wacky adventures with you know tokiyuki and all the people you made up uh and we're not really getting that um tokiyuki he's like gives this he does this big sake toast with a bunch of people uh and uh then they all throw their plate their dishes on the ground afterwards uh and it we are told like oh yes it's it's sacred sake from cups that will be used once and then discarded and it's like why <laughs> tradition tradition yeah, like 
My first thought was this was like a Sengoku Jidai kind of thing, but like, I don't know. I mean, it is set in, you know, the 14th century, uh, but right, that would be that would be that would be the period. Yeah, right. Uh, so they've you know had this thing. They're like, all right, we're going to go and we're going to win. And uh, Kojiro looks over at, at his at his master and he thinks like, oh, every time that he suffered a loss, he's dried his tears and then looked more and more like a lord of war. Uh, Tokyuki's drunk because he had a, a he had this tiny little dish of sake. Hey, he is like 12. So that makes sense. So. Uh, yeah, I was just kind of like looking at this and, you know, they're definitely going for the historic angle with this and, you know, the generics that are all just, you know, kind of hovering around all mm-hmm. of them. All with the you same know. face, all the same facial hair. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All, all of them being big, strong dudes. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I'm, I was just kind of looking through this and just kind of going, okay, we have period. We're going to talk strategy. We're going to use those little, you know, Petrus shapes that are used to indicate, you know, warband sizes and right. whatnot and all of those, you know, historical recreation uh, presentation kind of things. And then we get to this scene where it's like, okay, what well, is the enemy commander? And the enemy commander just like, Talks mad shit to his army. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell am I reading over here? So that's not the enemy commander, by the way. <laughs> Akie is Tokyuki's ally, and he's talking shit to Tokyuki's men, and just basically says that they're all shit in order to get them riled up so that they'll fight better. Oh, evidently we are. We are. This is pre Sengoku. So that's what's going on. Uh, it's a really weird sequence. Uh, didn't really do it for me, but I can see how, if it might be entertaining to some. Uh, but yeah, the, the, all the soldiers are really fired up. They start to ford the river uh, to go after uh, Ianaga's forces. And uh, yep, he is uh, waiting for them. And he's thinking to himself that he's got a big opportunity here because, hey, I was denied the right to avenge my fallen comrades because Tokyuki committed suicide. It wasn't actually Tokyuki, as is revealed uh, at the end of this chapter. Uh, and uh, so Akie, by fording the river, he's getting a bunch of the f- f- forces to, you know, like follow after him. And then Hojo's forces will you know attack from the rear and ambush them. And as they ambush the Shiba forces, Tokyuki just shows up and, and says, I'm Hojo Tokyuki in service to Emperor Go Daigo and the Southern Court. And I was like, wait, what the fuck? And uh, Ayako and Kojiro engage, start cutting down some people. And Ianaga realizes like, oh, Tokyuki is alive and I can get revenge on him and stuff. Okay. I, was, I, was, I, I basically was just over here going... All right, so a bunch of names got thrown around, and this art style is confusing. <laughs> yes. Uh, that's kind of often how it is, honestly. <laughs> uh, like, there was just so much loving detail into, like, every single unpleasant feature of, you know, the angry men. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, getting ordered around by this kill-a-kill-looking guy. And like, if it just feels like 
everything's inconsistent in appearance. Akie is a kill a kill character. I never thought of them that way before. <laughs> Uh, all you have to, all you'd have to do is like wear a cod piece, and yeah, it'd totally be one. Yeah, pretty much. And it's like, oh yeah, this uh, th- th- this commander is like the prettiest person here, commanding the, the ugliest man. <laughs> I can't. I can't. Okay, Black Clover. Uh, do you remember what happened last time? I was constantly thinking, Black Clover, Black Clover, Black Clover. That's the one with the maid, right? And I don't think it is. That's Black Lagoon. Oh. <laughs> so I was coming into this going, did like, you, is this that? No. Did you? How, how long did you get into the chapter before you realized that? I think I reached the end of it and just concluded, all right, this can't this be different it. series. <laughs> Oh man, I don't even know if she's like even like has shown up in that series for for a long time either. <laughs> I think she was relevant to like one plot line. Uh, so of course that's the one I heard about. So uh, Asta is you know he's trying to reunite with his people you know on the other side of the world. The Black Bulls have got that big ritual thing going in order to reunite them. We saw last time that he had been able to make it to the other side, and so we cut backwards a little bit in time to see like the last minute uh, preparations is asked to, you know, saying goodbye to all the people in the Eastern country who have been looking after him. Portal opens up. Fenro comes to grab him. Uh, before he goes, uh, Ryuya uh, s- points out like, Oh, why don't you take Ichika with you? Cause she's super strong too. And uh, she, she protests and, at first. Yes. And these people have incredibly detailed and yet also incredibly sparse eyelashes. And they just look, very odd to me. Hmm. Yes. Yes. Like the the other characters don't have that going on. They just have like, okay, the eyes are, you know, we focus on the sockets. We've got, you know, the, uh, you know, the spheres that comprise the eye and all this other business. And then just these two just have the most lovingly detailed and yet way too few to be possible eyelashes. <laughs> I see. I see your point. Yes, that's going to distract me every time I see one of these characters. Now, <laughs> welcome to what it was like reading this. Thanks for that, for now. <laughs> uh, so Ichika goes off with Asta. They go jump through the portal with Finril. They see all the Black Bulls are uh, doing great, doing great. Look at all the, the look at all the blood that used to be in their bodies. They're doing fine. This uh, is fine. Asta uh, immediately uses his Demon Destroyer blade. Yeah, he uses one of his anti-magic things. He's fine. Uh, he says immediately, like, I can take this guy on by myself. Uh, and uh, so Donatio real- recognized, like, okay, so I can't use my scale magic on him because he doesn't have any magic. But I can use atmosphere magic to, you know, just tear his body apart like I did with a bunch of his companions. And Asta just wades through it. He's just got anti-magic surging around him, makes a bubble. And uh, Donatio realizes, like, oh. Oh, he canceled that too. Okay, uh, and this whole thing just read as like you know six year olds playing make believe and just being like, <laughs> no, it know, like no, it didn't. No, it didn't. 
It's like, I've got an anti-magic sword. Oh, yeah? Well, I make the air collapse around you. Nuh-uh. My anti-magic sword casts an anti-magic bubble around me, so your anti-anti-anti-magic air can't get through it. <laughs> That's so how this read to me. Well, I've got a sword, too. Seriously. I've got I've got a sword too, so I can't lose to you. And then uh, Asta uses that and then kills him in one blow. So there we go. That's the end of the chapter. It's a very short one. Yeah. Uh, not not just in terms of like action, but this was just like twelve pages long, uh, which occasionally we've been getting from Black Clover recently. I mean, it's definitely for the best because Tabata had had a couple of health scares uh, recently. So oh, really, yeah, yeah. It's just a matter of like you know when you write a when you draw a weekly manga. Uh, it grinds you down. Uh, so sometimes yeah, people need that, to take breaks. Uh, it sounds like uh, that sounds ungood. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, very, you know, basic chapter, straightforward. Uh, I, I, you know, Asta was going to get a chapter where he looked cool, uh, so he did. That's that's about all I have to say about it. But we'll say I am glad that Ichika is coming along for this because she was definitely the best new character that was introduced in this arc. Uh, and hopefully we'll get to see more to her than just like what we kind of had as like the climax of, of Asta's training arc, which was just, you know, Ichika getting Shonen Jump female charactered, uh, mm-hmm. to put right. it shortly. Uh, Yami mm-hmm. is her, Yami is her brother, by the way, uh, at, at whom she was until recently under the impression had murdered her entire clan. Uh, it was a very big, you know, Sasuke kind of moment. Uh, mm-hmm. of realization for her. So, hey, there's more character development for it to happen, uh, hopefully. But that's it. That's that's Black Clover this week, which leaves just uh, one more thing to talk about. And that is, that is of course... One more piece to discuss. One piece. Uh, and first off, we do have a uh, big two-page color spread to commemorate the launch of the Netflix series, the Netflix live-action series, which has been... Getting much hype, hyping uh, done up for it. Uh, the cast all seem lovely, and I hope that they do well. Um, what happened last time in One Piece for now? Yeah. Well, evidently, all of the main characters just decided to take a week <laughs> off because none of them are in this one. And I have no idea who anyone is. What a chapter for you to have happen to you. This is like... <laughs> This is such an important chapter, too. <laughs> it's a really important, like, background supporting character. Seemingly dies in this. So. <laughs> um, yeah, you're right. They, 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 we, we, we've taken a break from Luffy and company. It looks like we're probably going to rejoin them based off of the note that the chapter ends on. But, uh, yeah, we've been following, uh, Kobe. And Garp of the Marines, uh, as they've taken on some of Blackbeard's forces, which include Aokiji, who used to be a Marine, uh, but uh, had a fight uh, following a very important battle pre-Time Skip One Piece about 12 years ago. Uh, and afterwards, he, he left the Marines and ended up aligning himself with Blackbeard's crew. I don't think he officially has joined the crew, is from what we've been told, but he is definitely working with them right now. Uh, which includes I'll take your word for it. I've never actually even I've never I've never seen or read One Piece ever. I only know it mm. through, you know, social osmosis, which right. admittedly there's a lot kinda of hard to avoid. 
uh, Aokiji's uh, probably best known for trying to hunt down Robin as a little kid. Uh, because, uh, like, Robin kind of knew some secret that the government didn't want her to know about, so he was tasked with trying to hunt her down, and she was protected by this this big happy guy who seemingly died uh, back then. So, he's ice cold, mm-hmm. literally. He's got ice powers. Ah, uh, of course. But we start off this chapter with Garp, uh, who is instructing some Marines, including Kobe and Helmeppo, uh, seemingly at the very beginning of their training, because this is like Kobe at the at, when r- r- around like pre time skip times, he's looking like a little kid and stuff. And Garp, has, he basically kind of presents his own version of like a trolley problem, uh, or I guess yeah. more like more like the more more like the Kobayashi Maru kind of, which is yeah, sort of, yeah. You're you're on an like island. Here, here is a difficult situation. Right. That is a struggle in both philosophical and moralistic terms. Right. And so the the, the problem that Gar presents the class uh, with our chapter title of 1088, his final lesson, uh, is you're left behind on an island full of ravenous beasts. And there's an old man and a baby who have been abandoned there. You're on a rowboat. It can only fit two people. What do you do? And Kobe's answer is, I get off the boat so that both of them can make it. And immediately Garp throws a freaking bottle of sake in his head. It's like, no! No! You leave the old man to die! That fucker is gonna have like eight, nine months left. You, you take the young kid who's got his whole life ahead of him. Think! Why have you joined the Navy? Who are you trying to save? You're trying to save people's futures, and that old man ain't got no future. You take the baby. Uh, and one of the, uh, the I guess the actually proper instructor uh, says, like, no, all lives are equal. Stop that. And Garb's like, no, the future of the young is infinite. And uh, when, so we kind of bit ahead forward to kind of like how Kobe got everyone into this situation when he was captured by the Blackbeard pirates, forcing Garp and everyone else to try and come and save him. Um, and uh, so, you know, he traded himself in order to save everyone else. You know, he was an, he's an important member of, you know, he's, he's in sword. He's part of this elite agency. He's a captain in the Marines. And so Blackbeard was like, all right. Yeah. It's a high price you set for yourself, but he let, he, but it was like, yeah, uh, that's how Kobe's in the situation, which is they're trying to save him. But one of Blackbeard's branch crew members, uh, oh, gosh, it's not. Bar- oh, gosh. <sighs> Groose. No, that's not it. I can't remember his name. <laughs> he's got he's makes cat puns. It doesn't matter. He's got an island island fruit, which lets him make a giant hand of rock emerge from the land to smash their ship. Uh, and everyone's like, oh, shit, they're all going to die. What are we going to do? Garp is on the ground, wounded and not moving, uh, while everyone's panicking over how all the sailors aboard are going to be saved. But Garp tells them all, you boys can save them. Listen close. I'll give you an opportunity. Kobe, destroy the hand of the island monster. Rear Admiral Groose, protect the ship from the falling rubble. And Lieutenant Commander Helmeppo, make sure that the two aren't interfered with. Uh, so be decisive. Go fly. And they start moving. Uh, the island hand goes to crush the ship. Uh, 
uh, people start firing at Kobe to stop him and how Meppo uses some of his, uses his Kukri to stop the cannonball, which explodes on top of him. Uh, he's fine. You know, the way that you are when you never, you know, you hit a cannonball that explodes with a sword. It's, he's fine. <laughs> I'm over here just going like, why did the cannonball explode? <laughs> exactly. Really it doesn't know. have a fuse. I guess it might not be a cannonball. It was fired from like a bazooka, but it looks like a cannonball. Uh, maybe it's a bomb. So. I, I can only imagine, but yeah, like it doesn't seem like anything that would actually explode. It just seems like a metallic mass. Uh, Garp gets up to fight Aokiji and the others of the Blackbeard pirates, just charges into them, which shocks Aokiji, who thought he couldn't freaking move. Then he keeps on going, charges straight into the full on island, uh, and, uh, controlled by Pizarro. That's his name, Pizarro. Uh, and he's like, wait, what are you doing? Don't you care about your ship? And he just smashes right into the skull of the thing, which also affects Bizarre because he's linked to it. And that's their opportunity. He's knocked off balance. The arm is raised up. And so Kobe just dashes up into the air and gets ready to fight it. And we get another flashback that explains that there was one more disciple that, that, uh, that Garp had, uh, um, who you did the insane training that Aokiji and Garp did of just fucking punching battleships, uh, in order to get stronger. Uh, and Garp learned about this from like getting from Helmeppo, who said, like, look, he told me to keep this a secret, but in truth, he keeps on practicing after he trains with you, which Garp thinks is crazy. Uh, but Garp kind of took a liking to him after that. And Kobe goes up against the giant ship of the, uh, the giant fist of the island and he punches it and the entire arm splits apart horizontally, which, uh, causes Pizarro to also go ow, ow, ow. <laughs> With exactly that much, uh, inflection. Yeah. Or maybe, well, he does cat puns all the time. So I guess he's going meow, 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 <laughs> meow. Uh, the bits of rubble get caught by Groose's like glorp web ability. Uh, and Garp thinks that this is all awesome. He's, he's laughing about it. Uh, Helmeppo manages to snatch Kobe out of the air. Uh, and, uh, and Kobe says like, I did it. Uh, they fall, uh, onto the deck of the ship and they're all celebrating together. Hey, they all made it. They're all going to make it. And then, uh, they get uh, a contact from Garp, who, of course, is still on the island, and he issues the command, get away from the island at full speed. I'll manage on my own. Your safety is the top priority. Uh, and Kobe starts to issue the command, like, no, turn the ship around. But Garp says, what happened here one day will be a major threat to all pirates. All of you are the future of the Navy. And we cut back to him. And Aokiji has frozen him with a giant ass icicle sticking up through his stomach. And Garp is still just laughing uh, over what has happened. And we are told in narration to finish off the chapter. The next day's headline spoke of the safe return of the Navy's young hero, Captain Kobe, the disappearance on Pirate Island of the legendary hero, Vice Admiral Garp, and... The incident in which Straw Hat Luffy, Emperor of the Sea, barricade himself within future Island Egghead. And that is presumably where we will go back to after a bit of a break from Luffy and company in order to witness seemingly 
The death of Garp. Yeah, so I had no idea what was going on, and there was a lot of talking. <laughs> well, thanks. Uh, good, good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is like, One Piece is something that I've always kind of been like, should I get into it? Should I get into it? Oh, there's so much of it. Should I get into it? Should I get into it? And then like, all right, One Piece. How bad is this going to go? I have no idea what any of this is. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, 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 I totally understand that. It's got, like you said, none of the straw hats are involved. So even the people that you have just kind of like tangentially learned about over time, uh, there's nothing that stands out that's of importance to you. So I get that. Um, and, uh, there's a lot, a lot of characters in one piece. <laughs> I don't know what to say. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm familiar with that part. What I'm not familiar with is most of them. <laughs> right. Um, so that is it, though. Uh, we, we had some chapters that uh, I think were just really good this week and some that even independent of context were good, uh, which it's nice to have that fresh perspective on. So we are at the end of the podcast. So can you tell me who what was your favorite chapter this week? And do you have an MVP, a favorite character as well? Um. So I mentioned earlier that... Um blue box was probably the one that stood out to me the most is like okay i just legit enjoy this for what it is and you know this particular chapter just kind of stands on its own it's like okay devoid of context of anything or anything else i'm able to pick up you know what these characters are putting down i know kind of the relationship the relationship going on here i'm able to pick up on you know the subtleties of how this relationship is going these are very good characters you know that are being written very well and like you know the 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 personality in just you know taking the kitchen implement and using that as you know an impromptu microphone <laughs> yeah like the like there's so much character in that you know, neither of these characters are pushovers in this relationship. You know, these two are very much, you know, a team in this piece, as opposed to, you know, two independent individuals who are just kind of put in a room together. It's like, no, 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 there's, there's chemistry here. Yeah. So like as an outsider who is not really familiar with any of this uh any any of these series i should clarify right right uh blue box is pretty much the one where that i would have the uh, highest likelihood of going back to and just being like okay let's start from the beginning on this one <laughs> as for like standout character moments I hate to say it, but it does come back to Chainsaw Man for that one. <laughs> Which just the complete like, damn! I wish I had some self-respect. <laughs> oh man, that would that would have been so cool if I had just done that instead of filleting this dead <laughs> demon tentacle. <laughs> that Denji, that Denji seems really cool. <laughs> the, there's just a lot of character to detail in the way that presents. So I 
I kind of have to say that was the best one for me because like that was genuinely the first like big laugh that I had reading over all of these. Like it just worked. It didn't require me to know anything. It didn't require me to think about it extensively. It just worked. It's a good joke. It's a good character moment. It's like, all right, all right, all right. Maybe I'll maybe I'll also check out Chainsaw Man. Yeah, no, I I, I totally get that. Uh, for me, uh, my favorite character this week is going to be Fiona uh, because she punched the shit out of that guy, and I, I thought that was great. Uh, my favorite chapter this week. It's weird. Like, I don't think I had the most like just straight up visceral positive reaction to it, but I think it is One Piece, uh, and it just. I just really like the way that the single chapter is set up with presenting this this issue of like what's the right move here where you know you don't have a right decision in this place it's always a hard decision and we see Kobe's answer is like oh you you do the self-sacrificing thing you help out people other than yourself Garp thinks mm-hmm. that that's stupid and in the end Garp is the one who sacrifices himself in order to save everyone else but at the same time he's not you know deviating from his values because he understands, like, I'm the old man. He's the old man. All these people have futures ahead of them. He hasn't changed, yet he has also gone for the same answer as Kobe. And I think that that is really a really nice, uh, clever uh, little way of drawing it all together. Uh, right. In, in this one, you know, like, just kind of single chapter set up and payoff for that. Uh, yeah, like, I kind of had a feeling that was going on, but I'll be entirely honest. Like, I could not actually tell who anyone was over the course of anything except Garp, because Garp is, doesn't really have a visible change. You right. know, it's like he's still the old, he's like, he's the doofy old guy with the huge mouth in both the past and the present. Right. And so it's easy for me to, to flag, okay. I know who this is. I don't know who anyone else is. So, uh, you know, the self-sacrifice move still being done by uh, Kobe was kind of flew over my head because, like, I right. didn't realize that that's even who that was in the first place. Totally get that. Yeah. Kobe had a ridiculous glow up in the time skip where, you know, just has a completely different hairstyle, lost the glasses and stuff. So, yeah, completely, <laughs> completely unrecognizable uh, fully. Yes. Uh, so I can I can definitely see why that loses some of the impact when you don't have that to tie all the sequences together. Uh, right. So this has, I think, been a very valuable experience. It's nice to have that perspective because, like, you know what they say about, like, comics is that every comic book issue is someone's first. And that's, right. like, not how we're supposed to approach ongoing manga series with that thought. But mm-hmm. at the same time, these are things that run in magazines. You know, they're it's supposed like, to sometimes like, it's just kind of what happens is, like, right. someone just flips it over and it's like, all right, this looks okay. Let's give it a try. And then they either get hooked or they don't. Right. So I, I think that there is definitely value in terms of re- remembering like, OK, there is, you know, something there approaching this fresh gig is it's nice to just kind of like assess that from from fresh eyes sometimes. And yeah, absolutely. I think some of my favorite series this week were the ones that you you liked because it was just they were just in enjoyable chapters on their own. I uh, just that also at the same time, I with the context to appreciate, I did really like one piece this week. Uh, right. 
I, and I can definitely like now that I hear you sharing some of the context, it's like, oh, okay, this kid, the, like you know, this kid is that guy, and this is this. That's that. okay. Like now, all the pieces are starting to fit together where they weren't for me previously, and it's like, okay, I can definitely see why you think as highly of it as you do, and I can totally respect that. But as someone who does not have that context. Like, this is not something that would hold my attention. Like, it would, for me, it was very difficult to follow, very visually busy. And, you know, there's just so much going on. It's like, okay, I would have to go back to understand just what it is that's going on here. But it's one piece. There's a lot. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, good stuff. Uh, that's. That's it. That's uh, where I think we're going to need to to wrap up there. And I oh, I, I should say uh, as well that the audience uh, voted uh, favorite series for this week to be Akane Banashi and uh, MVP was Nightfall was Fiona from Spy Family. Uh, so that's that's where we're going to leave off. Fnea, I, I, I will I will throw in an, an honorable mention to uh to Akane Banashi like I did I did appreciate that one I just had to start thinking about it a little bit before that appreciation manifested oh yeah blue box and Akane Banashi being your being your one too I mean that's 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 what those are the two that I would definitely at this point like recommend to people who you know are looking for like oh what's like new in Shonen Jump and it'll be th- those those two so yeah and the fact that both of them stand out to me as being very atypical from what mm-hmm. I would associate with Shonen Jump makes them far more approachable to me because you know what I am going to usually associate Shonen Jump with you know in a modern context is going to be something like like New uh, Sexist <laughs> New Sexist right which you know was pretty much the hardest deter of the entire lineup here that I had. I was like, all right, there's absolutely nothing holding my attention here. <laughs> They're trying to go for like, oh, these girls are cute. Oh, romantic tension. Oh, wait a minute. And I'm just over here going, there's one dude I have. I, I am sus of this. <laughs> <laughs> now, if the dude were a girl. <laughs> Actually, yes. you know what? I say that I say that with that with that tone. That would just be a better series. Yes. <laughs> All right, guys. That is going to do it for for weekly manga recap this week. Thank you to special guest host for this week, Fernea. Uh, you can be found at uh, Twitch.tv/slash Fernea. Uh, is that correct? F O R N E I A for our audio only listeners. Uh, that is correct. I'm even after this recording. I'm even going to get started on my own hey. business. So hey, uh, and uh, so you do like you do uh, gaming stuff. Is that is that uh, a fair description? That is correct. I am a variety slash retro streamer. I do mostly retro games, uh, be they console or PC. You know, like I'm like on Fridays currently, I'm running through Deus Ex, which is you know um, an all time classic. Uh, I've also gone through the original Unreal uh, and a few other things. On Sundays, I regularly play SMZ Three, which is a a hybrid game of uh, Link to the Past or Z3, as it's kind of referred to in certain circles, and Super Metroid. This is both of the games just kind of being stapled together. 
and you know you'll find like the hook shot in Brinstar or the plasma beam in Swamp Palace or something like that. And I run that every week on Sunday and just kind of, you know, time trial myself. How fast can I get through this? And in the middle of the week, it's just kind of uh, anything goes. Uh, this Monday, I did uh, Terraria. And, you know, I'm inclined to get started on, like, uh, Sonic Adventure 2 uh, sometime soonish. Not today. <laughs> Going to hold that for until next week. I'd like to give, you know, that, that, that game uh, a full evening because I'm very fond of it and... I'm always very annoyed whenever people who are not familiar with the game say that it controls badly because they're not familiar <laughs> with the controls. Right. And they say that the level layouts are not conducive to going fast when they are. It's just a matter of you're supposed to replay the game. It was designed to mm. be replayed. So you're supposed to become more familiar with the stages. So then you can go fast. So I kind of want to just be like, no, no, no. <laughs> Let me allow me allow me. Sometimes that's what it takes. So, well, and uh, yeah, and we also we play D and D together. <laughs> so. Oh yeah, that thing. Yeah, uh, on on uh, that's on Mega GM stream. Uh, uh, yeah, on Saturdays. So that is going to do it now uh, for the show. Guys, thank you for tuning in. We record usually on twitch.tv slash T because Quinn was not available this week. We hosted over on twitch.tv slash NickFTime. The reason I was able to get out the word on that was because of our Discord server. If you are into the into the week manga recap and everything, uh, if you want to get to know some more members of our community, join that. The link is posted on like every every post that we do, and then you can stay up to date on what's going on uh, whenever, you know, some ch plans change like this and we have to call an audible and something else happens, that's the best way to keep up to date. Also, you can use that to find like all the background history associated with the show, all the statistics and stuff that Ninja X3I keeps track of in the Google Doc, uh, make suggestions for series for us to cover in the future by recommending them on the doc. And uh, you can also talk with our various different members of our community. There are game nights that get held on there uh, in voice chat and, um, and other stuff. And, uh, that's, uh, yeah. And, uh, we also want to special, give special thanks to people who support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash weekly manga recap, where we put up bonus episodes, uh, on a usually monthly basis. We did a in-depth discussion where Quinn, uh, explained the lore of the Mortal Kombat series to me. And it is one of my favorite things that we have ever done. Uh, I just got to oh, kind of boy. get in touch with about 20, 25 years of Mortal Kombat games that I had never played while we made stupid jokes about them. Uh, oh boy. If you, if you ever want a time and you have a whole evening open, I can tell you, I can recite from memory the entire Metal Gear history. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Might happen sometime. Uh, <laughs> Special thanks go out to Wednesday.chair and Milo Jack Stillis for creating the opening sequence of the video version of the podcast, as well as to Steve Mann, who draws boobs and also title cards for us occasionally. You can check him out, Steve Mann Art, wherever, uh, you, you, wherever you can find him, which is many different places, uh, at this, at this juncture. And that's going to do it, guys. Thank you all for tuning in. We'll catch you, uh, next time. It uh, should be Quinn and myself again. Uh, and we will catch you at same WMR place, same WMR channel, which is this one. Goodbye. Totally Bye.